I am so happy you are here. Thank you for taking the time out and placing God at the top of the priority list because you have honored God, because you have made God a priority in your life. I believe he will pour his favor upon you and your week will be so much better. In fact, your life will be better as you honor him. If you believe that, can we clap our hands and just give Jesus praise? Yeah. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. I want to speak to you for a short time, and if the guys in the back can turn that computer around so I can see the clock, otherwise we may be here till Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I want to speak to you on Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, my helper. And this is a fresh word, fresh manna. I spent the entire day in the hotel room, just me and the Holy Spirit, as he downloaded this. And, I, and to show you how fresh it is, I actually emailed about 545, the message to uh, our cellies, and I said, you got to print this off for me, and then they printed it off, and then one of the other pastors punched a hole in it for me, so that's how fresh it really is. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Romans 8, 26 through 28, the Holy Spirit, my helper. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, some translations say our infirmities, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, or some translations say with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is a scripture that many of us have read, but I also believe that many of us still do not really understand really what it's saying. So if you'll allow me to go through it step by step and take a little bit of time and begin to understand a little more what the Apostle Paul intended us to hear. Let me also say that I have learned after 30 years of ministry that if we would simply take the muzzle off of the Holy Spirit's mouth, hear it again if we would simply take the muzzle off of the mouth of the Holy Spirit and then wait for him, he would speak. It took me years to realize that when I pray, the Holy Spirit is not interested in a monologue. He wants a dialogue. And so many times I would go to prayer and I would have a monologue. In other words, I would just begin to pray and unburden myself, and I was really the only one speaking. And after I felt better, I would get up from the prayer closet feeling pretty good about myself, saying, well, you were there 15 minutes or 30 minutes, and kind of chalking an attaboy up and walking away. And then I would wonder why I was still looking for answers. Why am I still going around the same mountain and taking a lap and dealing with the same stuff? Or I find myself saying, Lord, why am I dealing with this situation? How come I didn't see it? How come I didn't sense it? Or my children will go through a situation, and as the priest of the home, I would find myself saying, Lord, why is it that I didn't see that coming? And this is what I mean when I say if we would simply take the muzzle off the Holy Spirit's mouth and then wait for him, he would speak. So many times we are 
so concerned with, well, you know what, it's January, and I'm going to spend an hour in prayer every day. That's my New Year's resolution. And you get in there, and you get your list out, and you start to write your list out, and you got 20 things on your list, and you go down your list, you're feeling pretty good, and you get up, and you've been praying a whole four minutes. And I've learned that it's not so much about the time, but about the conversation. The Holy Spirit wants to speak in you. He wants to speak for you, and he would like to speak through you. Oh, hear it again. He wants to speak in you. He wants to speak for you, and he would like to speak through you. While sitting in an airport, I got the, uh, the call over the loudspeaker, and they said, Mr. Ruiz, please come to the counter. And I walked up to the counter, and they said, we've run out of seats in first class, so we have to bump you up. Excuse me, we ran out of seats in coach, so we have to bump you up to first class. And I said, you got to bump me to first class. They said, yes. I said, I receive it. Praise God. Now, I've got to tell you that I was sitting there studying and and kind of, you know, praying a little bit. And and I had just got finished asking the Holy Spirit to use me in a special way. I had no idea how quick it would be. They sat me in first class next to a multimillionaire. Now, I know he's a multimillionaire because he told me he was a multimillionaire. Have you ever met someone that just looked like they needed to be slapped? Go hang out at the junior high class. You'll figure it out. And his name was Frank Rosario. And Frank was a very large man, and he's sitting there, and he looks over at me, and he says, yo, what's up? I said, well, what's up with you? He's drinking highballs and martinis in first class. And he says, my name is Frank. I said, hi, Frank. My name is Randy. He said, I've got 30 people back there riding in coach, uh, and they all work for me. And I said, well, that explains why I'm up here, so thank you. I appreciate it. He said, uh, I've got a Rolex. I said, all right, bro, i got a Timex. Huh? <laughs> he said, I have three computer firms, one here in Memphis, Tennessee, Dallas, and Southern California. I said, wow. He said, I rent the top floor of the Ritz-Carlton in Maui, Hawaii, every year for my wife and my kids at Christmas. I said, oh, okay. And he goes on to tell me how, just how wonderful he really is. And this guy was really driving me nuts. I actually want, you know, you know, I'll be honest with you. I want to take the Holy Ghost 5 and lay it on his forehead. But I had just prayed, Lord, use me in a great way. And so I felt a little convicted. So I said, Holy Spirit, would you just take this guy out? <laughs> Lord, just do something in his life. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me in a very quiet voice, Answer his questions with peace, courtesy, and long-suffering. It's a long flight, so it was long-suffering. And he looks over at me, and he says, now I told you what I do. You tell me what you do. So I said, well, I'm the chief spokesman for the richest Jew in the world. Anybody else? He said, what do you really do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. And he said, you're all crooks. 
like the old man about came out. And I said, I said, really? He said, yes. Now, that was a compliment coming from Frank. And so, and again, the Holy Spirit said, answer his questions with peace, courtesy, and long-suffering. Remember, I told you that the Holy Spirit wants to speak in you. He wants to speak for you, and he wants to speak through you. So I said, okay, Frank. And he began to ask me every single question he could imagine about the Bible. He wanted to know about Jonah and the whale. He said, you really don't believe that stuff, do you? And I answered his questions apologetically and hermeneutically, and he wanted to know everything. And, and we went through this process. About 30 minutes, 40 minutes into it, he looks at me and he said, you know, you irked me. I said, really, why? He said, well, it's not really you because you don't have much, I can tell. Que no. She said, you don't have much I can tell, but there's something around you that's driving me crazy. And the Holy Spirit reminded me, I want to speak in you, I want to speak for you, and I want to speak through you. He's the helper. He said, you know, whatever it is around you, you're making me feel like all I have means nothing, and the little bit you have means everything. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> so he looks out, you know, and he looks out the window. He's looking around. He's no longer drinking anymore. And, and so he, he looks over at me, and he says, to be honest with you, I don't believe my wife loves me. And the whole atmosphere changed. And the Spirit of the Lord began to fill first class, 30,000 feet American Airlines. And I could sense the atmosphere had changed. When the helper comes in, you know he's there. How many say amen to that? Amen. Well, you didn't hear me. I said, when the helper comes in, you know he's there. And suddenly I realized that things had changed. He looks at me now, trying to hold back the tears, and he says, my kids don't call me except for when they want money. He said, I'm sitting here, and you're making me feel like all I have means nothing, and the little you have means everything. He wants to pray or speak in you. The helper wants to speak for you. And he wants to speak through you. I immediately went into my prayer language. Not out loud, just in my spirit. And I began to pray. Then something very scary happened. Frank's a very large man. And we're sitting there. And he's almost taking up both seats in first class. And he reaches over and grabs my hand. I wanted to say, excuse me, you don't know me like that. But he grabs, <laughs> he, he grabs my hand and he places it on his chest. He said, you're a pastor. I said, yes. He said, you know what to do, now do it. And the tears just broke. As the presence of the Lord began to speak through me, for me, 
and in me. And as he's weeping there, I led him in the sinner's prayer, or what we would better know as the Roman road, and we walked down the Roman road. This is why you need to know the Bible, to be instant in season and out of season. And the Holy Spirit is your helper, and he began to flow through me. Things that I had not even thought of for years were brought to memory. Things that I couldn't even tell you today were simply brought to answering all his questions with peace, courtesy, and long-suffering. And if I was in the flesh, I would have never had that ability. And the Holy Spirit just quickly answering questions. Well, he accepts the Lord. We get off the plane, and... Oh, Frank is so excited. He's, he's jumping up and down. And he's, I said, he said, what's next? I said, I don't know, man. I got to go. Got to catch another flight. He goes, no, 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 no. What's next? I said, well, Frank, where do you live? And he tells me, South Carolina. I said, really, where? He tells me the name. And I said, you're kidding me. He said, no. I said, I just spoke in a church in that town. He said, really, where? And I told him. He said, No. I said, yeah, why? He said, we live in a subdivision right behind that church. He said, but I can't go there. That's the white people church. I said, no, it's not, Frank. It's the big red brick church with a fountain out front. He says, no, 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 I can't go there. It's the white. I said, no, it's not a white church. It's got red brick and fountain. He goes, you don't get it. I said, I get it. Listen, bro, the pastor wants you to go to his church. He said, how do you know? I said, if the pastor will let a Puerto Rican sleep in his house, he'll let you go to his church. He said, you slept in his house? That was the greatest thing he ever heard. And so he gets on the phone, he starts calling his wife, and I can hear him say, no, 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 it's not the white people church, it's the red brick church with the fountain out front. I get a call several months later, and I'm talking to the pastor, and the pastor says, hey, you know, this guy came. We got to check, chuckling and laughing, and I told him the rest of the story. And he, before he hangs up, he says, did you know he's a multimillionaire? I said, yeah. He said, he's been a blessing to our church. <laughs> Would you say with me, the Holy Spirit wants to speak in me, he wants to speak for me, and he wants to speak through me. Understand that many of you, and for many of you, the Holy Spirit has already put a heavenly prayer language inside of you. You can hear it in your spirit, but then you lean on the flesh and you speak in English, and the Holy Spirit is trying to speak out of your mouth. Again, he wants to speak in you for you and through you. Looking again at Romans 8, 26 to 28, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. One translation says, our infirmities. Or I like to say, the Holy Spirit helps us with our craziness. Because some of you are cray-cray. <laughs> he helps us with our craziness. The Holy Spirit helps your brokenness. He wants to help you, not hide you. 
And there are many who come to the altar. They love God. They fear God. And they come to the altar. They're, they got goodness in their heart. And their prayer is this, oh, Lord, just hide me, Lord. Put me away, Father. I don't want to face these things. Understand something, friend. Understand. If you think the Holy Spirit is going to insulate you from the world's problems, then you have a rude awakening. He's not come to put you in a spiritual incubator and keep you away from all the attacks of the enemy. No, he's here to help grow up and grow you up in the image of God. To make you more Christ-like. To cause you to fall in love with someone you've never seen. Oh, did you catch that? He wants you to fall in love with someone you've never seen. He's the helper. And everything he does always points you to Jesus. Every time someone is healed, he's trying to help you fall in love with Jesus. So don't get surprised if he doesn't keep you away from the world's problems, but he will help you through the problem. You see, he came in knowing your weaknesses, your infirmities. He came in already knowing your compulsive behavior, your emotional disorders. He knows your burdens, your unresolved issues. Some of you got issues. I got issues. He knows your questions. He knows your dilemmas. Your extenuating, complicated circumstances. When you say, well, I can't talk about a pastor because it's complicated. And he says, yes, your choices made it more complicated than it need to. But I know because you're complicated. The Holy Spirit has come in to help you. So I want you to say with me out loud, the Holy Spirit has come in to help me. Say it again. The Holy Spirit has come in to help me. Let me give you an illustration. Come help me, bro. And I want you to grab that chair and just bring it over. Just there's a big old stud coming over. All right. He's, I really don't know. That's perfect, man, right there. I really don't know how much this chair weighs. But if he holds it long enough, he's going to get tired. Now, what he doesn't realize is how long he's got to hold it for. But after a while, he's going to start getting tired. And what he also doesn't realize is that I will come alongside of him, and I'll stand here with him, and I'd be willing to take it from him and take this burden from him. But if he never lets it go, oh, hear me. If I come alongside, and even though I'm standing right here, I, he could feel my presence. He can know I'm there with him. He can sense me all around him. Like many of you in church, you come in with your heavy burden, and he's standing here, and you can feel the presence of the Lord. But if he never gives me the burden, thank you. If he never gives me the weight, then he's going to carry it unnecessarily all by himself. And we come to church, oh, I felt the presence of the Lord, but I'm still carrying it. I, I know he was there, but... And that's what the Holy Spirit does for each of us. He stands alongside to help you. But you have to give him 
the way. Look at 1 John 14 and 15. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The Latin translation says, another of the same kind, to help you and be with you forever. The Latin term for advocate or another advocate is the olos paracletus. The Latin word olos or alos means to nourish, feed, or maintain. And all the ladies, we understand what alos is or aloe is because you have it in your lotion. It means the cells of the aloe plant are so similar to your cells that when you rub it on your hands in the lotion, it rejuvenates the skin cell because it's another of the same kind. You know if you buy that lotion with the aloe, it's going to nourish your skin. It's going to feed your skin. It's going to help you maintain your skin. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit as being alos, he is saying the Holy Spirit is another of the same kind who will help nourish you. Oh, come on. He will maintain you. He will feed you. Now you add paracletus. All the men know what paraclete is. It's from a, the loading dock, those hooks that allow you to carry more weight than you should to be able to lift. A paraclete has a hook on it on a loading dock. And the paraclete uses leverage so that a person who would not be able to lift a heavy crate can now lift that crate because he's using the strength of the paraclete. So when you put it all together and realize that when Jesus said, I will pray to the Father to send you another advocate, what he is saying is, Olos Paracletus, and the Holy Spirit's job is to be your helper who will nourish you. He'll feed you. He'll maintain you. He will begin to lift up things that you don't have to carry yourself. He'll take the burden off of you because that is his job, another of the same kind. He is the helper sent from God. Sent from God. So when Scripture says in Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, our infirmities, God is asking you, why are you carrying that chair? Real quiet now. Why are you carrying that burden? When I've sent the Holy Spirit to stand alongside of you, not just to make you feel good, but to help you. And God the Father says, will you let him do his job? Hmm. Let me take this a step further and explain another reason why the Holy Spirit is standing by you. Look at Romans 8.26. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Here's another reason the Holy Spirit is standing by. He wants to help our ignorance with his intelligence. Oh, hear it again. He wants to help our ignorance with his intelligence. And I did not glamorize him by calling him intelligent, nor insult you by calling you ignorant. I'm not saying we are stupid. I am just saying that we don't have the ability to access all the information that an infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful God would have. Our finite mind cannot grasp the galaxies. Our finite mind cannot understand the Milky Way. But he said, let there be light. And there was light. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you inside information. Somebody shout inside information. 
How many want inside information? Wouldn't it be awesome to get some inside information? Wouldn't it be terrible to go through your entire life with the ability to get inside information and you never tap that ability? He wants to give you intelligence that you don't have so you can make informed and educated choices. And the Bible says we don't know what we ought to pray for. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought you knew exactly what, you sh- what should be done and you kept talking about it and talking about it until people started doing what you said should be done and you messed it all up? Come on now, it's just you and me. I'm, am I the only real one here? This is what happened with Abraham and Sarah. God told Abraham and Sarah they were going to have a child together, but Sarah didn't buy it. She couldn't wait for the promise. And so she said, now listen, Abraham, maybe he didn't mean me. Maybe he meant out of our household. So since I can't have children, I want you to go and I want you to sleep with Hagar. And Abraham, being the godly man that he is, He said, well, babe, if that's what you want, I just want to make you happy. It's all for you. has nothing to do with me. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And Sarah was cool with it. She said, I can't produce a child, but the servant girl is going to hook us up. So, And everything was fine until she got pregnant. And now she's looking over at her, and she's thinking, oh, oh, no, you didn't. Get her out. Listen, sometimes we don't know what to ask for. We fall out with people we should keep. You keep people you should fall out with. If you live long enough, you find out you're really not as smart as you thought you were. And the Bible says we don't know what we ought to pray for. And it's not that we're evil. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want to have a life that's happily ever after. There's not a person in the room that doesn't want to be loved. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want to be healthy. But isn't it crazy how we can all want the same stuff and not be able to pull it off for the life of us? You ever sat and thought about it? See, I've never met or seen a a, a couple, I've never seen a divorcing couple who went into their marriage hoping they'd get a divorce. They both want to be loved. They both want to be respected. They both want to be heard. They both want to be appreciated. So how come we all want the same things and never are able to pull it off to save our lives? It's a mystery to me. But that's the way life is. And you look around and we push away the people we should keep. You'd be surprised how many times I'll talk to a man in the altar or at a men's conference and he'll look at me with tears in his eyes and say, I should have never pushed her away. Or I'll hear a woman will come to the altar and she'll say, Pastor, please pray for my marriage. I should never push my husband away. And we keep the people we should have pushed away. Mark Twain said, generally our life is half over before we realize we have earned a degree of ignorance. Now, you won't admit to that or say that to anybody. You just walk around looking 
all important and stuff, you know, like you got it together when you know inside is crumbling and you're just walking away and walking around smiling and kind of like, have you ever seen a baby walking around the house with a dirty diaper? <laughs> and they're just smiling. <laughs> and they walk by and you get a whip. See, that's what happens about 45 years old. You just walk around smiling, and the people who really get to know you get past your smile, and they get a whiff. And they say, I'm out of here because that person's crazy. And that's when the enemy moves in, and then you live with guilt of not being enough. Not enough father, not enough husband. Not enough Christian, not enough mama, not enough wife. And you beat yourself up. And the tragedy is the Bible already has told us that we don't even know what we should pray for. So God the Father who knows all things already has provided the answer with the Holy Spirit. What blows my mind is why people offer up advice to figure out what's wrong with me when they can't figure out what's wrong with themselves. I've never been able to understand how people can be so smart about what I need to do and so dumb about what they do. It just blows my mind. I'll turn on Christian television, you know, and I'll hear those guys on there and they'll say things like, well, God woke me up this morning that told me to eat a bowl of Cheerios. I said, What? God never told me to eat a bowl of Cheerios. And they make God's voice so trivial. It just blows my mind. These people, these deep people, they call themselves, who have a word from the Lord for everything in life. And it has nothing to do usually with themselves. Why didn't you just have a word from the Lord for you? And the reality is a prophetic word lines up with scripture it's simply a confirmation to what the holy spirit the helper has been already telling you through your the preach word the red word romans 8 tells us the truth of the matter is we don't know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans have you ever had the kind of day, week, or year where all you can do is go, oh. Anybody? Where nothing comes out but, <sighs> you can't even articulate the words because the pressures of life the stress of the job, the difficulties hitting your family, and you think to yourself, nobody really knows. And you want to sing, nobody knows the trouble I see. He knows. And he's already interceding on your behalf. If you are a Christian and the Holy Spirit is living in your life, the sound of prayer is already going on in deep in your soul with groanings and moanings that you cannot even express. He is dealing already with deep-seated emotions and hurts. Think about it. You didn't lose your mind because the Holy Spirit has been interceding on your behalf. 
when you should have gone crazy over that situation with the child. You should have gone crazy over that relationship. You should have been taken out. And people are saying, how in the world did you make it? You don't even know how to articulate it. But somehow, way, you made it. You made it because the mighty divine helper has been interceding on your behalf. He's been groaning and calling out. He's been pleading before the throne of Calvary. Oh, if you believe that, somebody clap your hands and praise him. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're at work getting through your day, smiling on the outside. Welcome to J.C. Penny. May I help you? And on the inside, the Holy Spirit is, oh. On the outside, you look like you got it together. On the inside, you're crumbling like Frank Rosario. On the outside, oh, everything was great. Got 30 people back there in coach. Got a Rolex. Everything is happening. On the inside, I'm crumbling. Has anybody ever been there? And he's interceding for you. He knows. Let me also tell you who knows. The devil knows. The demons in hell, they know. Why do they know? They know you have an intercessor down on the inside of you, interceding on your behalf, holding them back from harassing you, holding them back. When the devil comes in like a flood, the power of God, the Spirit of God holds up a standard against it. They know that there's the presence of the Almighty is dwelling inside of you with groanings that cannot be uttered. When I was growing up, Gladys Pearson was a lady in our church, and she walked with a walker, and she had a hump in her back. She was a missionary that never got married. She had fingers that were gnarled and twisted from arthritis. Her knees were swollen. Her ankles, she had cankles. She didn't have ankles, and they were all swollen. I used to tease her, and I used to say, Sister Pearson, you need to get a man. And she'd say, oh, baby, I got a man. And I'd say, ooh, Sister Pearson got a man. And she'd say, that's right. The man I got opens doors for me that no man can open. <laughs> He'll never leave me, nor will he forsake me. Sister Pearson always showed up to church late, not because she was rebellious, but she lived alone. She had severe arthritis. She was hunched over. She shuffled with her walker, and it took her a long time to get into her little car. We always left the first five stalls in the church parking lot for her because we never knew how she would park her vehicle. <laughs> True story. She would come down the center aisle, she would open the doors, and she'd push her walker in, and the atmosphere would change. Mother Pearson. She would walk in, and And it wasn't like the Holy Spirit wasn't there, oh, he was. But when she walked in, it's like he took the remote control and turned it up a little bit. Have you ever been in a room that when someone walked in, the atmosphere changed. She'd get halfway down the aisle, and she'd lean against the pillar that held up the balcony, and she'd say, Holy Spirit, I'm coming. The Spirit is willing, but this old tired flesh is weak. She'd get all the way down to the front, and if you were sitting where he's sitting, she would tap you on the shoulder and say, Baby, can you help me bend my knees? Mother hasn't prayed today. 
And we all knew Mother Pearson prayed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And she would shuffle all the way to the other side. And she would say, lay me on my face. The helper is coming. And every hair on your body would stand. And I used to ask her, Mother Pearson, why don't you just pray in the front? She said, oh, you kids know nothing. Take me over there where I could be alone with the helper and not rob him of any of his glory. She'd say, lay me on my face. And we'd lay her on her face and stand back. And a sound came out of her that I'll never forget as long as I live. It wasn't loud. It wasn't disrespectful. It wasn't out of character. It wasn't drawing attention to herself. But it sounded like this. Oh. She'd say, Jesus, send the helper. And while others now are calling, don't let him pass me by. We had another gentleman in our church named Leland Shell. He was the fire chief in Los Angeles. He retired to live in our church. They gave him a room in the attic, and he'd walk the floors at night. And a couple of times I show up to go to Royal Rangers, it was my job to turn on the light to the church. And I'd walk into the dark church and I'd hear Brother Shell, oh. <laughs> what was that? The commander would say, go, go turn on the lights. Uh-uh. It's four years, five, six years old. Uh-uh. He'd walk the floor. And he'd call out for the helper. There are times that now at 53, I lay in the floor of my home and I long to hear the sound of Gladys Pearson and Leland Shell. Steve, as a teenager, I'd go lay down next to her. And I didn't understand, and I used to say, Holy Spirit, what is this emotion that is so profound that there are no words to express it? And it wasn't until I got into Bible college that I realized that the Hebrew word for the word groan means a yearning and a longing for more of the Christ. And I'm longing for this generation to know that deep, intercession and that deep groan I, I, I'm, I'm long listen gang I'm old enough to remember when the prayer room was more popular than the coffee bar now I walk into these churches and they'll have two Starbucks in the lobby they'll have pool tables in the men's room I'll tell you that story tomorrow <laughs> it's a good one And they have a little phone booth for a prayer room. Now, let me give you this disclaimer as I try to wrap this up for you. 
You have to have lived through some things to understand the groanings. So if this doesn't resonate with you, please don't judge me. But for those of us who have had pain that was so big that our lips were intimidated to even articulate the magnitude of the life quake we just went through, then you understand. By an upraised hand, is there anyone here that knows what it means to go through a life quake that you can't even articulate the pain? Look around. Keep your hands up. So the Holy Spirit is helping and groaning with things that we can't even articulate. Look at verse 27. I'm just about done. Verse 27 tells us about the central intelligence of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit. This is two different levels of information. And if you are not careful, you go over it very quickly and you miss the mode of operation of the Holy Spirit. And an amazing teaching here. It says, he who searches our hearts. This means that the Holy Spirit lives in me so he can search me. The Holy Spirit searches everything about you. He knows the little boy in you. He knows the little girl in you. He knows the reasons why you are the way you are. He knows all about everything that has happened to you. He knows where you were born. He knows where you were raised. He knows where you went to school. He knows the socioeconomics of your family. He knows everything about you. He has searched your heart. And when he is interceding for you, he is doing it with the whole panoramic view of what was, what is, and what's going to be that should make you want to shout now the second level of information look at verse 27 because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God he not only knows me because he searches me and he lives in me But he knows God thoroughly because he is God. He is one with God. He is not seeking to know the mind of God concerning me. He already knows the mind of God concerning me, and he knows me. So let me ask you, who can intercede for you better than that? We have the central intelligence agent in the form of the Holy Spirit who understands my kind of crazy, my kind of situation. He knows my kind of circumstance, even when people can't figure me out. And to be honest, even when I can't figure myself out. The Holy Spirit knows my heart. He knows every detail. Listen, he knows what's biological. He knows what's experiential in your life. He knows what's emotional in your life. He knows what's psychological. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to lay you down somewhere on a couch to try to figure you out. He's the ultimate psychiatrist. He's been touched by the feelings of my weaknesses and my infirmities. 
Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So not only when he intercedes does he know me, but he knows God's will for your life. Because he's God. I want the musicians to come quickly. He's God. And the Holy Spirit is interceding right now on your behalf. And what's about to happen is we're about to go into an old-fashioned Holy Spiritarian meeting. And I've been praying all day, saying, Holy Spirit, I, I'm asking you to fill your people with a fresh baptism of your presence. By an upraised hand, how many would say, Randy, I need the helper in my life? I want you to stand to your feet. The Holy Spirit wants to give you inside information. You say, well, what do you mean inside information, Pastor? Inside information. Wouldn't it be great to get inside information about your kids? Sitting in the hotel room, true story, sitting in the hotel room, my grandmother, uh, she wasn't with me. She was in California, and I was out already traveling, been married already, had two kids. I was out preaching. And I'm sitting in the hotel, and I was a little worried about the service the next morning. I was struggling with a fresh word, and the telephone in the hotel rings. This is, you know, before I really carried a cell phone. And I looked over at the desk, and I picked it up, and it was my grandmother. She said, hi, mijo. I said, mom, is that you? She said, yeah. I said, well, how did you know where I was? And because my wife didn't even know. I had just got to the hotel. How did you know where I was, and how did you know the number? And she started laughing. And she said, baby, you know I know God. You know I know the Holy Spirit. I've never had that experience with anyone else. And she went on to tell me, now I want you to watch out for this one and watch out for that one, and in the service, the Holy Spirit wants to do this and that. And I started writing notes. And sudden clarification came. Inside information. Yesterday, a young man met me in the lobby, and he said to me, I've got to know, I've got to know. How do I know it's God speaking? I said, well, it's an urgency you feel. He says, what do you mean? I said, well, let me put it to you this way. Have you ever been sitting in church and the Lord, and, and you had, you just felt you had to give $1,000? He said, nope. He did. He said, nope. I said, well, let me tell you. The devil won't tell you to give $1,000 to the work of God. And unless you're a very giving person, you won't tell yourself to give $1,000. Good chance that's the Holy Spirit sending an urgency. There are times that I'll just be going through my day, maybe going to the gym, and, and, and I'll just get a, a, boy, I need to call Pastor so-and-so. And it's not like we'll just call him just to call him, but it's, a, it's an urgency, you know, call right now. It's, it's, so I'll pick up the phone and I'll call him, and they'll say, bro, now let me get very transparent with you. Where's Tony? Tony. How long ago, Tony, did this happen? When you called me that day. 
several months ago, my family and I are walking through a very deep, deep valley. Nothing to do with our marriage, just a, a deep valley. And I get a call from Pastor Tony and Pastor Steve. Out of nowhere. They said, well, Randy, we were just thinking about you. Lord laid you on our heart. We wanted to uplift you. And they started to basically give me direction and peace from the Holy Spirit. And I'm walking into this meeting that I was about to give up. He's our helper. He's our helper. And there's no doubt that you need him because not only does he want to speak in you, but he wants to speak through you. And the Holy Spirit was manifesting through these men to speak this word of encouragement to me. I held on to it, walked into the meeting, immediately called my wife, encouraged her, and it became like a circle that just went out from there. By an upraised hand, how many say, I've got some things, some burdens. I just don't want to feel the helper. I want to give him some of these things that he can help me carry. Come on, if that's you right now. Right now. I want you to lift your hands and just welcome him into your situation. How do I give it to him, Pastor? You say, Holy Spirit, I'm welcoming you into my situation. I surrender. I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering my finances. You got to really surrender it to him right now. He already knows you. He knows the situation. And just like I showed you in the illustration, he's right there with you to carry it, but you've got to give it to him. So right now, all over the room, just begin to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender. I surrender. Verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, if we are willing to allow him to help us. Come on, just, I want you to open your mouth and begin to praise him. I, I surrender, Lord. Lord, the situations that we've carried since childhood, Lord, the heavy burdens that we've been carrying, Lord, we surrender. We surrender it, Lord. 